From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, welcome back to the OCFA Pass Along Podcast. Uh, in this episode, Chief Bowman's going to expand on the memo he sent out on Thursday, August 3rd. Early on, I suggested that we need to do a better job at the OCFA of succession planning. And we actually created a department of the OCFA called Organizational Planning. And the, and the intent of creating that organization was to help people from the newest uh, firefighter level through engineer, captain, and all the way up to fire chief. Uh, help them understand what it takes to get from one rank to another and to encourage those who have an interest to step up so we can get them early on in their career and prepare them for promotion. So that's coming up soon, but in the meantime, let's go over some news and noteworthy items. Wanted to uh, briefly address uh, Fire Station 61. As uh, most of you are aware now, the construction uh, continues for the new fire station, and I'm happy to report that the majority of the resources have moved back in uh, to the area, their first due area, and are working out of the temporary station at Walter Knott Elementary. Uh, the engine, the truck are back together under one roof, which is a great blessing. And then Battalion 8 will continue to operate out of Fire Station 17. Uh, also, Division 7 offices and community risk reduction folks are also at the elementary school, or the former elementary school at Walter Knott there. And uh, Division Chief uh, Dave Steffen put out a memo uh, that kind of outlined all the details there uh, on August 10th. I wanted to just briefly uh, uh, talk about uh, Fire Station 61. If you go back to uh, early January, uh, I remember coming into work that morning. Uh, it's pouring down rain, and I, I look at, you know, at 4.30 in the morning or what have you, and I ended up moving up to uh, Fire Station 61 as they were still putting out the fire. And I'll never forget looking down at the incident command post, and I saw a pair of slippers, and uh, or really flip-flops. And what I found out later is that those were uh, Battalion Chief Kelly Zimmerman's uh, footwear that he had as he rushed uh, from the fire station to command the fire and the resources outside in the pouring down rain in the 65 degree weather in his shorts and shirt. And uh, since that moment just crystallized in my brain uh, how much energy and effort folks have put into uh, initially suppressing the fire and safeguarding everybody who was involved and then all of the energy from all the different sections within the fire authority to bring this about. And I, I just, it makes me stand in awe of uh, how everybody comes together and just does a phenomenal job. So I just wanted to just take a moment and really say thank you to all those who made this possible. Um, it, uh, we just couldn't have done it without each and every section putting in uh, a lot of extra energy and effort. So thank you so much. All right, well, uh, with no further ado, let's uh, turn it over to Fire Captain Jim Day, who's going to be interviewing uh, Chief Bowman on the recent organizational changes that are coming up. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Jim Day here with Operations Training and Safety. In today's podcast, we're here with Chief Bowman, who is going to address his memo that he uh, put out on August 3rd, um, talking about some of the organizational uh, issues in the department and uh, some of the um, things that we're looking forward to this next year. So uh, good afternoon, Chief. Good uh, afternoon. Uh, my first question for you is, in your memo, you addressed the, the executive management reorganization. Can you please review some of the key changes in the reorganization? Sure. You probably all are aware that when I came here, I made a statement to the organization that a place as talented, um, as longstanding as the OCFA is, um, that 
organizations like the OCFA should do everything they can to promote from within. So I'm a experienced fire chief, years and years of doing this, and I come into the OCFA and try to identify what the areas are that need improvement and try to understand who's in which position in the organization and why they're there and how long are they going to be there so that we can develop an internal plan for who might succeed those currently in office. Uh, early on, I suggested that we need to do a better job at the OCFA of succession planning. And we actually created a department of the OCFA called Organizational Planning. And the, and the intent of creating that organization was to help people from the newest uh, firefighter level through engineer, captain, and all the way up to fire chief. Uh, help them understand what it takes to get from one rank to another and to encourage those who have an interest to step up so we can get them early on in their career and prepare them for promotion. I selected two people to move into the top slots in the organization in hopes of spending a couple of years uh, helping them and mentoring them and trying to get them ready to be the fire chief. And it simply hasn't worked out the way I anticipated that it would. When you're faced with uh, organizational dynamics that change by the week, the day, and even the month, uh, the fire chief has to make decisions that may not be popular with everybody, but hopefully are made with the best interests of the OCFA in mind. And so I've opted to take a different direction. Uh, Ken Cruz has volunteered to step up to the AC position and fill the operations chief's role. He was formerly in, and very shortly in, the Ops Division Support Group, and uh, Brian Norton has agreed to fill that slot. So Ken is going to help Brian uh, create that Ops uh, Support Division Chief position. As you know, that was in the OCFA in the past and was deleted from the organization. Well, it's being brought back. So Ken and Brian are going to help jointly develop that, while Ken is stepping into the operations uh, assistant chief's position. We all know that Ken isn't long for the organization either, but he wanted to come up and help uh, get back on track, if you will, all of the issues that need to be dealt with in operations. And I told him when you do that or while you're doing that, um, you need to begin thinking about who your replacement will be, assuming he, he keeps his retirement plans next year. So the organization is in a little bit of uh, change right now. Uh, it's change that I believe will be healthy for the organization and it's what we need to do to move forward. The second uh, assistant chief position is organizational planning. Um, that position has yet to be filled. I'm still talking to the DCs to see who among them would like to move into that position. And once that DC position uh, moves up to the AC slot, then we'll identify who will fill behind them. But uh, it's not a fun thing to do. Organizational change is never easy. Uh, we made the best effort that we could to be successful, and I'm going to redirect our efforts now and try and move the, continue to move the organization forward. Okay. Thanks for uh, clarifying that. Um, in your memo, you state that uh, you will have to inform the board that filling your position from within will be difficult. Can you tell us why? Uh, is it a lack of qualified personnel, uh, a lack of interest, something else? Well, it, uh, you need to understand why I say that. Uh, when I said it will be difficult, number one, I don't know. I have not briefed the board yet. I'll do it a week from Thursday. 
Um, the board doesn't meet often enough to just call them together and brief them on what's going on. I did brief the board chair and vice chair so they knew exactly what was going on. But um, if this attempt to internally prepare and mentor someone to be the fire chief, I was only going to be here a few years. Uh, I've been here almost three and so far uh, it hasn't worked out as, as I had hoped that it would. I don't know how long I will be here. I don't know how long the board of directors would like me to stay here. I'll know a little more next Thursday after I brief them. But um, when I say it's difficult, it takes years of experience at the upper level of an organization to prepare to lead it from the fire chief's position. And that being said, uh, I don't know how long I'll be here and I doubt it will be years. And so having someone internally step up to be the fire chief will be difficult. Uh, Dave Anderson is an assistant chief now. He's only been there a few months. He's doing a great job. But will he be ready to be the fire chief in January? Uh, if that were the date that I would leave, uh, I, I doubt it. I just simply doubt it. But that's a board decision. It's not mine. Uh, I will certainly continue as long as I'm here to encourage and evaluate and mentor anybody in this organization who feels like they'd like to be a fire chief. And again, that's why we created the organizational uh, planning department was to do this, to succeed uh, from positions at the, at the lowest level to the top. Thank you. Um, the next question here, can you address what is being done to help with the day-to-day -day staffing of the operations department? So the staff of this organization has been hearing issues and seeing issues uh, for a long time. And about a month ago, I was getting reports from different groups looking at the problem. And I just said, okay, we're going to call everyone in this organization together that has anything to do with the staffing subject. And we're going to identify a couple of things. Number one, what's driving this vacancy rate? And we're talking maybe a hundred vacancies every day. And if you begin to take a hundred, and divide it out by different sections of impacts that are causing us to have to fill the vacancies that are open every day, uh, including the number of vacant positions on the books, not the ones from workers' comp or vacation or sick, the actual open positions by our budget, uh, and then look at the total number. We had two vacancies on the books. And I said, wow, if we hired two people, that wouldn't even begin to right. touch the subject. Right. So it's not the vacant positions. What we need to do is look at all of the other positions where decisions have been made over the years. For example, if someone goes to medic school, say 10 people go, those 10 people are gone for at least six months and that creates 10 vacancies. Uh, if you look at all of the factors that create the vacancies, one could assume that whether we had two vacancies on the books or 20 on the books, we could hire 50 people fairly easily. And in fact, identified 53 positions that have either been frozen in our budget over the years or they're positions where we have chosen not to fill behind because they're temporary. Well, you all know that at least once a year, every March, and sometimes, oftentimes more than once a year, people leave the organization through retirement. And so what we've done is put a, a working group together to, to look at every piece of the puzzle 
and try to figure out how we can correct this, either through work rules, uh, the rules that employees use to take time off, and uh, rules that employees use to fill the vacancies from time off. All of those things were looked at and we have brought, um, we actually have a memo that we are finishing as we speak that will come out to every employee explaining each little piece and what we've done to correct it. I took a, uh, and staff took a, a recommendation to our board of directors that said, we're gonna move up our academy that was scheduled for October into September. So that academy of 50 people, that's the largest academy we've had here in a long time, those 50 people will com uh, complete their academy in December and start to ease this pressure on filling with overtime, mandatory overtime. And then January is the Engineers Academy, so we had to wait until after January. So February 1st, uh, we'll have a second academy of 50 people. And after the first academy goes, we'll have a much better number, a feel for how many vacancies and how well it's working. And if we need the full 50 the second time, we'll do another 50. The board uh, unanimously approved the plan. So they said, we'll put our money where your mouth is, and we'll agree that this is necessary to fix this problem. And if I remember correctly, there's a captain's test coming up here in the fall here. So that'll, yes. that's gonna help with creating those positions. We have too. a captain's and an engineer's and eventually a BC and, and a DC. All, All right. of those lists are expiring. Right. Kind of a following up on the, on the staffing question. Uh, uh, many members uh, have reported that the amount of forces um, are causing unnecessary stress at home. Uh, during a recent visit here uh, with you and, and Chief Zeller and Chief Cruz, um, someone made the suggestion of maybe writing a, a letter to the families kind of explaining what's going on and, and from, your, from your point what, what you're basically doing to, to try and alleviate it. Uh, can you give us any uh, any timelines on that? Is that is that happening, or what were your thoughts on that suggestion? It's a great question. Uh, we just finished the staffing memo, and um, I have written a it's it's a letter rather than a memo to um, to spouses, and it's addressed that way to spouses, to significant others, and to family members or friends of an Orange County Fire Authority firefighter. And in that letter, it explains that the only one responsible for all of these vacancies in this organization is me. Um, I accept the responsibility. I've accepted it for as long as we've had this problem. Um, and I also, um, frankly, uh, said, I've heard enough. I want to bring everyone together, and that's what I described earlier, and we are going to fix this, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And the, the, the early on answer was, we only have two vacancies we can't hire. That's unacceptable. We have to get more people into this organization. And so uh, bringing those people together and identifying the problems has been part of the solution. So we're gonna put the letter to the families attached to the memo that's coming out about what we're actually doing. And I doubt the families are gonna wanna read the memo, but I said in the letter, if you don't understand how difficult this was for us to get a handle on, read the memo because it'll explain it in detail. Okay. So it will come out uh, in the, by the end of this week, it will be out. Thank you, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to write that, that letter to the families. Your memo also talks about um, leadership development. What does that look like in your eyes? Does that mean more classes, uh, mentoring programs? Uh, where for, folks can ride along and maybe the position that they're trying to obtain? 
dedicated mentors? What, well, what, I, what does it look like? I in touched your eyes? on it a little bit, but um, th that's why the organizational planning department of the OCFA was created. Um, I have laid out very specific milestones in this fiscal year that's upcoming for what I want accomplished in that area. But for the firefighter, engineer, and captain rank, I think we ought to have similar to the task book uh, setting where if you're a firefighter and you want to be an engineer, here are the things that you have to have in your individual one, not a, not a firefighter in general, but if you're a firefighter day and you tell your captain that you want to be an engineer, your captain will take a system that's created in the organizational planning department and apply it to that individual and say, here are the things that you individually need to do. For example, you might be a firefighter and you came to us from another agency and you were an engineer. Your development plan is going to look way different than a firefighter who works for you sure. who has no background. Uh, so you need to tailor these things to the individual and it needs to be done at every rank. And so they are building that process. I would like to see a leadership academy of up and coming people who want to be senior leaders in this organization where once a month we come together and we do real life, we talk about theory and then apply the theory to a real life problem in the OCFA. Only then will they really get the feel for what it takes to lead. Uh, there are lots of people who question leadership skills of everybody and anybody. Until you've been in those shoes and had to face the problems that you deal with on a daily basis, it's not easy. And sure. so the more we talk through those kinds of applications of the theory, people begin to go, oh, I get it, now I see. So that's another one, a leadership academy for those who want to be senior level leaders in the organization. Cool. But as they come out at the end, they're out now, but anyone who'd like to look at them can look under the annual plan for the organizational planning department and they're all listed in there. Okay, thank you. Uh, anything new with the Irvine Equity? Study we continue issue. to work with Irvine, as you know. They have until July of 2018 to declare whether they're going to stay or go. Um, as you know, the board has tried on two occasions to settle with Irvine, and both failed. Uh, so we're still working on it. Uh, I met with the city manager from Irvine last two weeks ago now for lunch, and had a conversation with him about what it what it will take to make them feel like they're a valued part of the OCFA. We certainly don't want to lose them. And they're certainly happy with our services. It boils down to a money issue. And we're limited as to what we can do about giving revenues to the OCFA away to any city. So we're trying to figure out some solutions that are amenable to them that'll keep them happy and keep them here. So work in progress. Yep. Okay. Uh, Heard a couple rumors of Garden Grove, Anaheim, wanting a, wanting a bid for fire services. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that? Well, I can tell you that in Garden Grove specifically, uh, their firefighter union during contract negotiations uh, expressed an interest in whether the city would be willing to entertain a study with the OCFA. We have no formal uh, announcement yet. We've had no formal request yet with, from the city of, of Garden Grove. Uh, I did meet with their city manager to talk about the process and what it takes and uh, how long it will take and what's, what it entails. 
And he was uh, very thankful for the meeting and said he'd get back to us. And as of today, I still have not heard yet from them whether they're in or not. Uh, Anaheim was uh, like a lot of things. It was a question that was asked of me. Uh, Anaheim's dealing with some uh, fiscal issues that are long-term. And I was asked, uh, how much money did we save Santa Ana when they came to the OCFA? And I advised that it was about $10 million a year. And the question was asked, can you save us that? And I said, that's why you do a study. So if they're interested, like Garden Grove, we won't talk to Anaheim uh, uh, until they send us a letter saying we are interested in doing a study and we've not. I don't think that's anywhere in the near future. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Any, uh, can, you, can you give us your thoughts on where you think uh, the department will be in, in three to five years? I know you kind of talked a little bit about it uh, previously, but. Well, I think what you have to look at um, that we can specifically say, where have we come from three years ago? Uh, we now have four-person engine companies on almost all of our frontline first two engines. We have two medics on every one so that every community in this county, uh, almost every community, has uh, one unit arriving at their home with two paramedics on it and fully capable of handling any medical aid call. That's a huge change. Um, we have a helicopter that's staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week with a paramedic. Two huge changes that have occurred in the last three years. All of your tech trucks and all of the hazmat units are fully staffed and the individuals working on those units have a bonus. So what's left to do from a field ops standpoint, uh, one thing is to complete this EMS review, the, the emergency services review. We've gone through three phases. We're in the process of uh, validating the numbers on phase three, and we will enter into phase four sometime early next year and try to complete all of the phases here in the county so that we get to the end of the EMS conversion from uh, the vans over to medic engines. Um, the, what I'd like to do this year, and it's in the operations section, assistant chief's annual plan, is um, to do an analysis internally, to put a working group together for urine training. Um, how do we fight fire? How are, what is the best way for the OCFA to fight fires? I listen to the radio every day in my office and I hear things occur and I often wonder, why is that happening? And so uh, I've attended the classes, the prep classes that I created for candidates moving to captain or BC, and we do simulator practice. And I sit in the back and I listen to people going through the simulator and I'm wondering why are they doing, why are they ordering this resource or this tactic? And all I want to do is take the best of the best of the OCFA and say, here's what the best leaders in this, in this agency do when they're confronted with this type of a fire and get people thinking a little bit more before they act. If you, you're a captain, you know what I mean. You pull right. up on a structure and they're all different. You should be thinking about key factors before you make assignments. The fact that we have four people on every first arriving engine now changes your life as a captain dramatically. Sure. It changes your ability to deploy forces. I just think we ought to have a healthy conversation about what works well and what doesn't work well and encourage the young up and coming commanders, whether it's captain or BC, who may not have had a great deal of experience managing a fire. Uh, encourage them, 
how we want them to behave on a fire ground. So those are some more things that we're looking at. There are lots of uh, issues. I've, I've started a statewide effort to reevaluate EMS services in the state. We're operating under EMS law that's been around for as long as I've been, way back when I was a medic. Uh, and yet you face different problems today. We're facing homelessness, the likes of which we've never seen, opiate uh, and alcohol addiction, mental health problems in the community. And yet when we send a medic out to help those people, state law requires us to take them to a receiving center. Right. You guys get to the receiving center and there's wall time because there's people in there that really don't belong. And so I think we need legislative and or regulatory relief at the state level to help us manage EMS in the state. So we're, that's another effort that I'm pushing vigorously at the state level. Right. Well, we've covered a lot of, a lot of subjects. Is there anything specifically that, uh, that I left out that I didn't ask you that you might want to cover? I want to talk about one area that, that is in my memo, and it's an area of focus that has been, that I've witnessed, obviously, as this agency has witnessed, as other agencies are finding happening in their, in their departments throughout the country and that is the whole issue of cancer prevention. We've all uh, lost brothers and sisters to cancer, um, and, and the question is, are we doing everything that we can? Uh, the second set of turnouts comes up. Right. Cleaning SCBAs or making sure, of course in my day, I was an advocate for getting SCBAs in the cab so that our response would be quicker on arrival, and we all did that. And now we're asking, are those SCBAs carrying carcinogens? Right. Uh, this is the cycle of progress. You know, we take two steps forward and one back. Right. Uh, that needs to be looked at. And the whole issue of mental health in our service, uh, PTSD, um, brain trauma. Uh, we don't think much about brain trauma, but if a guy takes a, a, a beam in a house to the head on his helmet, he may just shrug that off and think that he'll be fine from that. But we don't know always. Uh, the NFL's finding out that uh, continuous brain trauma is a factor in mental right. health. And so those two items combined, mental health and cancer, are relatively new on the spectrum of things that we're really focusing on. But if you've been to one funeral, that's all it takes. If right. you've been to more than one, you know that it's becoming way too frequent. And it's something that we have some very talented people in the OCFA who've put their hand up and said, I want to lead the effort to see if we can't fix this or at least make it better. So those are two about our own, our, the health of our own, that we need to continue to focus on. Chief, when you, uh, shortly after you arrived, you had an all-hands meeting uh, up here at the Salvation Army. Uh, any thought of doing that again? Great question again, because uh, just today I identified a couple of dates. Originally, we talked about doing it in October. As you all, as everyone knows, that wildfire season uh, has been at a fever pitch this summer, and we expect it to continue through the months of August, September, and probably October. So when is the right time to do it? Right. Uh, because of all the organizational change and issues going on, um, it was actually suggested by Barrick Hunter, the president of 3631, that we actually move it up and not back. And I said, I'm absolutely all for that. So we've given a couple of dates in September. I'm trying to figure a date where one shift is coming on the second day and one shift's going off so that we catch on and off duty people. 
Uh, we'll use the same format. We'll do it at the Salvation Army, and it'll be two consecutive days in the morning. Try and make it easy for easier for people to attend. I'm a little concerned about the timing because if we have 40 or 50 people out on strike teams, those are 40 or 50 who cannot attend. But uh, we're, we're, we think it's a good time to do it, and so we're trying to f find the right date. But it will be sometime early this fall. Well, Chief, I appreciate your time and your candor and uh, expanding on your memo and kind of telling us how you feel. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. All right. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks to Chief Bowman for sitting down with us and Captain Jim Day for facilitating the interview. Uh, the next two weeks, we'll air our panel discussion with John Wayne Airport Emergency Protocols. And be sure to tune in for that uh, and then watch out for the additional segments as well. Until then, uh, watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.